morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of my friends this morning. We have Mr. Johnny Crypto, the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G, and our very special guest, Waters Above Crypto, who's going to break down all of the latest developments in the crypto space for us. So very excited to have you, Waters. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Warren Buffett is opening the floodgates for crypto. After nearly a decade of criticizing digital assets, Nubank will now be offering Bitcoin and Ethereum custody to over 1 million companies worldwide. Jed McCaleb is down to 81 million XRP, while SBI is calling for every bank in Japan to use Ripple's technology by 2025. Rich Dad Poor Dad author Robert Kinasaki is getting increasingly bearish on crypto prices, stating he would be backing up the Brinks truck when Bitcoin hits $1,100. Bank of America is more bullish than ever on crypto adoption, stating that rapid blockchain development is underway. And we speak with our special guest, Waters Above Crypto, on the market sentiment today, helping our listeners navigate in this increasingly turbulent market. This is a very exciting time to be getting involved in crypto. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So this is an amazing and a very excited episode. We've been planning this one for months, Waters. So very excited to have you. Thank you for making time for us today. And how are you feeling on this beautiful Wednesday? I'm doing better every day. Thank you so much for having me. And you have you have such a classic like announcer voice. I love it. Somebody asked me, they're like, do you talk like that all the time? I said, absolutely not. That would yeah. be the most annoying thing ever if this is no, how you should. Fight. You should do that. You should order some food at a restaurant like that. <laughs> They'd probably kick me out. But Johnny Crypto, I want to kick it to you. How are you feeling? I see you're back in paradise, back on the lake house on this beautiful Wednesday. So how are things going this morning? First of all, Robert Kiyosaki is going to have to wait for me to move my bring truck if we see 1,100 Bitcoin before he can back his up. But uh, first of all, as always, Good morning, Warrior Maniacs. How are you today? I'm super excited. Great to see Selman today. And, uh, you know, I, I Waters Above Crypto was one of the first educators that I ran into or started following when I got into crypto. So whenever he's on the show, it brings me back to those times, and, and I love it. So I'm so happy to have him here and can't wait to dive into it and see what's on his mind. I want to give a shout out to the Node Defender Waters because the Node Defender is actually the first person who showed me your content. And since then, I've been watching you for about a year now. Taught me so much. So I want to say thank you. But before we dive into this episode, let's kick it to Selman, the CEO of Collecti Labs. How are you feeling on this beautiful Wednesday, my friend? Thank you so much, Apps. Um, always great to be here. I am feeling so blessed and very excited for today. We got great content for you guys. Plus, of course, today's a busy day because we have a great announcement at the end, but I can get like a little sneak peek, of course, a non-fungible show running today where we talk about innovation utility with regards to NFTs and Web3 space. So every Wednesday. So thank you also, Apps, for having me here today. And um, yeah, always great to be here with Waters Above. It's it's going to be a very beautiful, um, yeah. I'm excited for this episode as well, Selman, and I'd love to start off with just a little bit of Q&A waters. I do want to put you on the spot if that's all right. So I was watching a ton of your content this week, and one of the things that stuck out to me was that it seems that we're going to continue into our the bearish market. 
We've got some trading ranges that we need to complete on Ethereum specifically. We heard that a $300 Ethereum may be possible. Maybe you can break down some overall sentiment in the market today. We know we're in a Shemitah year. We know that things are getting increasingly bearish, but what are you looking at from an overall market standpoint? Do you think we're going to continue bearish before we bottom out in this cycle? Yes. Yeah, so essentially there is a lot that could happen regarding, you know, the short term, but we, I've been talking a lot on my channel about the Shemitah year. And if people are unaware of what that is, any new listeners, this is a seven year cycle and we're actually in that seven year cycle and it ends in September. So typically when we analyze any of these big market crashes that we've seen in history, they, they seem to line up after the end of the seven year cycle, almost immediately after actually. And the word Shemitah means release in Hebrew. So it kind of makes a lot of sense why the market crashes because it's like they release the market and just allow it to do what it does. So we've seen quite a bearish market leading into that, actually. And that's why a lot of people are kind of wondering, like, are we bottomed out now or are we going to go even lower? And those are the typical typical questions that I get asked quite a bit because I've been talking about this event now for probably over a year and a half. So all I like to do is I like to look at levels because we are buying prices. We're not buying dates. That's a huge thing that people need to remember. And when people stumble across my work, they like being able to see an extra you know, layer to how this market operates, whether it's me using gamatria or astrology or a form of numerology. But I always remind people, we're not buying on dates. We're buying because of prices. At the end of the day, like that is always what the decision is made based off of. You don't buy your new car because it's a Wednesday. You buy it because you could afford the monthly payment. So when it comes to any investment you make, I believe that's kind of the, the priority there. So whether we get a, another leg down right now or we get it in October, which would be uh, kind of more aligned with how this cycle typically operates, then, you know, it doesn't really matter because you're looking for the prices. So that's kind of been my sentiment. Uh, and I've been sharing the technical analysis regarding if Bitcoin was to go lower than 17,500. 17, <clears throat> and that would essentially lead to probably a slide down to the 14 to 13K area. And if that was to happen, we're probably going to see Ethereum head down to 500, maybe maybe even 350, you know, kind of hover between that, that 350, 450 range. And when that moment comes, we're probably going to see a washout of a lot of the things that are tied to Ethereum, any ERC-20 tokens that essentially have no utility or, or no working technology. And we're going to see a lot of companies that really didn't have much liquidity behind them at all probably also go to zero just because of that reason. Because they don't actually have any capital. They're, they were relying on retail investors investing in these useless tokens in, in order to actually have some money to work with. And if any of those companies decided to play with leverage with that money that they were getting from their retail investors, then that's an even scarier proposition because the odds are they're going to be liquidated on those positions and everyone's kind of, you know, shit out of luck in that position. So I would just say to people, focus right now on looking at the charts and seeing what prices are the juiciest to you. Like for me, it would be something like 20, 22 cent XRP. That's a really like juicy price point, and that's what I would be looking to accumulate if it happens tomorrow or if it happens in November. It's irrelevant. Um, if you're somebody who has no money right now and you're trying to develop some sort of investment thesis, then you need to start doing some math because most likely the cycle operates with some some you know catastrophic events leading into October, November based on the seven-year cycle, and this has happened every seven years since time immemorial. 
We have, you know, seven years ago, even though it wasn't a global stock market crash, we saw what it did to the Asian markets, particularly in China. But we did see once September rolled around a bigger correction across all the indices. And anyone can look at that in the charts. That was in 2015. Then seven years before that, we had the 2008 housing market cri crisis. That was catastrophic. That led to, you know, bank runs in Crete and all sorts of liquidity issues at banks. We saw, uh, you know, some pretty disturbing lending practices going on and that was exposed and it did not change. They literally didn't change anything. No instruments have been altered since the 2008 housing crisis. They've just renamed the things they've been doing. They've been renaming the fraud. And uh, we see the bubble we have today in the housing market. And that's topped out probably about six months ago or so. And nobody wants to take out any, any loans. So we have a culmination of events. And that, you know, of course, we're aware seven years before that was the dot-com bubble. And I'll leave it at that. I believe this is the repeat of the dot-com bubble. We're just watching it happen in the cryptocurrency market. And we're seeing what was called the blue chips are going to be surfaced after the end of this Shemitah, meaning when we make it through 2023 into like Q2 of 2023, probably, we're going to be seeing what are the projects in this blockchain space, what are the projects in cryptocurrency that are going to be here, here to stay? And we're probably going to see a washout in that transition phase. I almost wonder if, if Lord is above has a, uh, a bug on our phone's abs. We were literally talking about that exact thing this morning that the dot-com bubble, when that happened, you saw a lot of companies go away, but the ones that survived became, you made, you made generational wealth off of them. And if you can just sit through that and then wait to see the pieces fall and then hop into the ones that survive because we know the majority of these are, these cryptos are going to go away but the ones that are here um i think long term will be very very um opportunistic right if you if you know what to invest with but jordan i want to touch on something that you said i think is so important so uh, i agree with you that we should be looking at key price points of where we feel the value is on real world solve technologies that are going to be here for the long run um, and not by dates. However, we do know that the elites tend to want to operate when energies or frequencies certain line up, mm -hmm. sun, moon, star, certain things line up, right? And I know that recently you had um, been talking about, I think, the June 18th date where you kind of nailed it perfectly, where we saw Bitcoin drop in and kind of hit its low, its, its most recent low of the 17500 Are there any significant periods that you see coming up where we may see this 12,000 Bitcoin again, not a date, but maybe more of a time yeah. frame that you're seeing that you can maybe shed some light on. Yeah. So when we analyze the cycles and I actually released two key pieces of content over on my Patreon regarding to the Shemitah and I decoded the entire Shemitah. And what I did was I went back into all the cycles and I showed some good examples and I particularly like to focus on the dot-com bubble because that's the closest similarity we have. And all I, I see is that the doc, or the tech stocks were handing off the baton to crypto, to blockchain technology. And before, you know, tech technology sector was booming as it was because of computers becoming like household devices, uh, we had something else holding that baton. And we've seen over time, like as this baton switches hands, um, like a relay race, as it switches hands, the the speed and the volatility as it 
be as it's handed over is more intense. It's more volatile. You know, back then during the dot com bubble, we were seeing historic rallies in a speed that was never possible before. And now in crypto, I mean, geez, right? Like we've seen coins go up a hundred thousand percent. And I'm not even talking about Bitcoin. We know Bitcoin's famous because it's gone up multi-million percent from where it was uh, you know, launched. But we're seeing things that have absolutely no working technology, no scarcity model, no real tokenomic, you know, fundamental purpose for it to go up a hundred thousand percent. And that is showing us that it's just more volatile, meaning it's gonna be more extreme. And when I was studying the dot-com bubble, getting back to Johnny's question, we saw what happened with Amazon. And at the time, people were like, you know, Amazon was like a meme. People were making fun of it. People were calling it a scam. People were calling it this, that, and the third. Uh, they had no vision. And what makes my work different is that I have a vision. I'm aware of what these so-called elite have planned for us. And they don't hide anything. They show us all their plans right in front of our face. So anyone who studies ISO 222 or what's going on with any changes and implementations in the SWIFT system, I mean, it's pretty out there for everyone to see. Uh, they're not really hiding too much. Now, I believe the blue chips, if you will, have already been told to us. We already know what they are. So why get fancy at this time? And I think that's kind of what people did if we go back to the cycle of 2019 through 2022, just that that whole transition, we could call it, you know, we saw that really nice 2019 summer. And then we had that big correction in the, the C word crash in March of 2020. Then it recovered V shape recovery super quickly, totally a black swan event. And then we saw that recovery leading into the end of that year. And it led to new all time highs and an alt season and yada, yada, yada. We've all been there now. That was when retail joined the show. Retail waited till tops, right? That's typically how cycles work. And if you study the dot-com bubble, it was very, very similar. And at the time that retail joins is when the most uh, pro when the most coins start to show up. So that was the same thing with the uh, ICOs back in uh, and the IPOs back in the dot-com bubble. Basically, after Amazon and some of these bigger companies already started to top out, you were seeing that there were these projects just coming out of nowhere, like absolutely useless projects. And they were showing up and retail was getting excited because they thought they could make a quick buck. And that was a huge sign. So we already had that event and it should have been something to teach people a lesson of what not to do into this market now that we're here. But now that some people have woken up and they can smell the coffee and they've seen what happened with the dot-com bubble and now they've seen what's happened with this crypto market, 95% losses and, and some pretty uh, top coins, you know, this is a sign to tell us like, oh, wow, like this is possible. It is possible for a top project in the top 10 market cap, such as Terra Luna, to go completely to zero. That's possible. We know it's possible now. And whatever reason they give us in the news or on Twitter or from the people who, you know, even own the company, it doesn't matter if you were sitting there holding the project. So what matters most is what do you do with your holdings? What do you do with your portfolio? Because at the end of the day, it's you're the only person it affects. So the long term thesis on it is like people just need to watch out for what's going to come in September into October. Because if I was to give an astrological answer to your question, because that was one of the things you also asked, if I was to give an astrological uh, you know, conclusion, 
we have an eclipse coming in October, and then we have another eclipse coming in November. And we recently had some eclipses back in April and May, and we saw what that did to the market. Then remember, the market in May of 2021, we had, an, we had an eclipse where Bitcoin went from like 63K and it dropped all the way down to like the 30K support. And that was all a eclipse ritual. And I know people, you know, for a long time were in disbelief of that kind of stuff. And then we talked about it with uh, the recent Terra Luna uh, collapse. That was an eclipse ritual. And guess what that eclipse was? It was a lunar eclipse, Terra Luna. So this was done on purpose when it happened. And I don't care what the reasons were that they gave you. It just it's every time we have these big eclipses, we see that there's a big shakeup in the market. So that is telling me that we have one piece of evidence that says at the end of every Shemitah, we typically have our most historic market crashes, all of them. Then we have that. We could kind of solidify that piece of information. And if I was to add that to what's going on this year, that would mean late September. Okay. Then the second piece of information I have is we tend to have big moves in the market on eclipses. So we know that there's an eclipse in October. We know there's eclipse in, in November. So it sort of tells me, um, and then I'll give you guys one last piece uh, that'll be really valuable. So we have a couple things now that we could kind of quantify. We could add this all up and we don't even need TA. We're actually just using the cyclical nature of the market. People, you don't even need to look at charts with what I'm telling you right now. You could just simply look at a calendar and determine this. So we have Hebrew New Year, which is Rosh Hashanah. That's what this market operates on. And then we have the eclipses coming up. They're all culminating around Q4. And if we look at the Bitcoin chart, we can see a very noticeable uh, pattern. Bitcoin hits all of its all-time highs and all of its all-time lows in its cycles in Q4. Always. There has never been an isolated situation where Bitcoin hits some sort of all-time high outside of that cycle, except for the very, very beginning of Bitcoin's inception. But again, at that time, there was no liquidity and it was like a mining protocol. Like nobody was even trading it on the market. When it hit the market, it was on very small liquidity exchanges. It was not traded by any professionals. But what you see is a pattern where every time we're hitting these drastic highs and these drastic lows, they're always happening in around November, December. Yes, that's a fantastic point, Waters. And we always talk about that on our channel, how when you look at what happened in 2020 and 2021, well, the majority of that bull run actually came from September of 2020 to February of 2021. So most of the time when retail was getting involved in this market, they were getting in at market cycle highs. And that's what we're going through now. This market is finally taking a breath and consolidating, getting rid of a lot of that new money. But we do have over 220 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. If you're looking for Waters Above Crypto, you can't find him on Twitter. He does have an imposter out there. Do not follow that account, but go to his YouTube <laughs> channel and check him out because he provides so much of this amazing and useful information. I do have a follow-up question I want to ask you. We always talk about how these markets, well, they seem to be continuing to go bearish and everyone's sitting on the sidelines waiting to get involved. You just called for lower lows being made in quarter four of this year. What I want to ask you is when do you think in a very safe time frame, very safe long-term horizon, when is this market going to turn bullish again? We know the next Bitcoin halving is going to be sometime around mid-2024, and that's what Johnny Crypto mm. always talks about. But I'd love to hear from you about when, when can people start getting optimistic? Yeah. So one thing I'll say is I am not calling for lower lows. I'm saying that lower lows are absolutely possible. And if, they're, if they happen, I'm, I will welcome them. 
where we've seen Bitcoin come down recently at 17,000 is actually a very technical level for a bottom. Yeah. And if we were to even look at timing of that bottom uh, happening, it's pretty spot on. It's about 400 days after the last top, after the last cycle top. So if we look at the crypto market cap chart, meaning you take Bitcoin and all the altcoins combined, you look at around April, May of 2021, you go over one year or about 400 days later. So a little bit more than one year, 13, 13 months. It's a very specific uh, amount of time. You see that there was the market bottom. And one of the things that I've been talking about with my uh, community for a while now is how I've been sort of predicting this entire cycle to behave more like the 2014, 2015 cycle. And I was saying that when I actually, created my mastermind course, which was before I even had a YouTube channel. So I've been on this narrative for quite a while that I was saying that I see the crypto market, um, even though 2014, 2015 didn't have all those altcoins and all of these like, you know, easy ways to get into the market. If we just look at the Bitcoin chart, it was very similar where we had one peak into April and then we had another peak into November. And that's why I'm so blown away by how cyclical this market is, because Again, when April happened and we saw Bitcoin hit 63K and we saw all this euphoria, then we had a pullback. Very few people were anticipating Bitcoin to take another leg up into Q4. And the, at, the reason I was adamant, at least about the time frame, is because Bitcoin always goes up into the end of the year. It always kind of hits those tops into Q4. So I just want to lay that down. Uh, I do see a possibility, kind of more of a probability that Bitcoin goes lower from here because I kind of want it to. But that's a bias. Like the reason why I <laughs> the reason why I kind of want it to is and I believe we spoke about it very shortly before we got on this. One is that I think there's a lot of nonsense in this market. And I, I believe that nonsense needs to go away. And I rather it go away sooner. So I call this like the rip the bandaid off moment. And I talked about that before Bitcoin went down to 17K. When Bitcoin was hovering around 24, 25 ish, I said, guys, like we just need a rip the bandaid off moment, like send Bitcoin down to the 200 simple moving average on the weekly chart. And like, let's just kind of see where it goes, because that's a typical technical, you know, technical event. Well, with that being said, like we still see there's a lot of nonsense in this market. And I would love for that to be washed away, because where will that money go? It's going to go into the stuff that actually matters, the long term projects that, you know, actually have some use to them. So right now we're kind of in a Ponzi scheme is being revealed where we're watching all of these fake, you know, organizations. They're going to be revealed. They're going to be exposed. And we're seeing that happen with Celsius for sure. And I'm sure a lot of other companies are going to kind of go under the same scrutiny. So, um yeah, essentially, essentially getting back to the idea, if we were to go lower, I would I would assume it'll be into that September, October, November time frame. I would assume it'll be around 13K, 12K Bitcoin. And uh, at that time, 400, 300 ish uh, ETH. And that's in US dollars. And then that'll be a wipeout of a lot of uh, coins. And um, was there another part to your question? Nope, but I know Johnny Crypto had a follow up. So I want to kick it to him. Thank you, Waters. So, so if, you know, and if people think... <clears throat> Waters that you're crazy, uh, they can look at, and we talked about this before the show, they can look at Grayscale's ETF, the, the wrapped GBTC, and we see that they're showing somewhere, I think they were trading that day around 12, 13,000 BTC. So maybe it's not that crazy or out of a realm that we could see that. I think you're probably spot on there. But the question I wanted to follow up on 
with you was uh, you had mentioned a little earlier about blue chips uh, of this space and you kind of combine that with ISO 2002. So a little hint there. Are, are you suggesting or are you thinking that those ISO 2002 coins are the blue chips that people should be looking at or considering as the ones that are going to survive and drive the future? Yeah, I mean, it's a big it's a big aspect of designing an investment thesis. I believe everything is about how you develop your own investment thesis and how it's practical to your current cash flow. So wherever you're at with your businesses that you own or the job you have or whatever your you know retirement funds are, if you're trying to like roll over a Roth IRA into like some sort of crypto portfolio, like people need to be a little bit more savvy about how they design their investment thesis because a lot of it has to do with finding YouTube channels and just going with whatever top picks that they share. And if you guys know me, like I've stayed away from that. I made a one video, one in my entire crypto career where I said, these are my top three altcoins. That's only one. And one of them was Zillica. And it ended up being like, you know, one of my better plays. And it's one of the plays that's helped, you know, but where I'm going with this is too many people follow and not, not enough people do their own research. So I just want to start with that as a layer of transparency. So you guys are aware, like. I'm a real one. I'm genuine. I'm not here to like sell you on some coin that's better or worse. But my personal investment thesis is heavily centered around ISO 222. It's heavily centered around. And uh, you guys know me. I'm a long-term XRP investor. I, it's probably my third biggest position uh, right now. Um, it's the project that I've sold the most, though, because I bought a lot of it back when it was like 17, 18 cents. Uh, nice. I remember I have... I probably the only iconic video that I could call iconic was the one where the SEC kind of crash happened. And I was filming a uh, one of my course lessons in my mastermind course. And uh, I was just telling people how like stoked I was to see a 17 cent XRP. And I ended up making, uh, you know, it was one of my best calls ever. Um, and I'm not talking about calls for other people. It was something that I did for myself. Um, because I was very adamant about a $1 XRP to happen in the year of 2021. And, you know, we have the YouTube videos to go back in history and, and, and watch how that all turned out. But the XRP play, I believe, is one of those that's sort of isolated. So when it comes to Stellar Lumens, EOTA, you know, um, XDC, I'm kind of just seeing how things go. You know, I have a little bit of an investment thesis regarding those specific projects, but I'm a little bit more bullish on things like VeChain, for instance. I just have a little bit more like I've done a lot of research on VeChain specifically, and I see where it fits in in the world of blockchain, like the global world of logistics on the blockchain. So, yeah, when it comes to where I'm at with things, I definitely would admit that a big piece of my non-Bitcoin and non-Ethereum uh, investment thesis is, is based around ISO 222. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. By the way, just to touch up, we always talk about it on the show. It's so important that we tell people, do your own research. Just because we're talking about something or because we like something is not a reason for anybody to invest in it. You need to go and understand guys out there what you're investing in, what it does, how does it make money, what what real-world style does it have. Check off all those boxes. What team is running it? You know, you really need to do your homework if you're putting your money into it. Totally agree with you, Waters. Um, folks need to do their research and not just count on some YouTuber telling them what to do. So kudos to you on that one. And I know Salman has a comment, so I want to turn the floor over to him. Thank you. Um, and 100% agree. By the way, I could... Listen to what is above crypto 
all day long. You have a very lovely voice, man. It's really calming. Feels it feels great. And I, I want appreciate to you. Um, I want to add something um, also with regards to, to you know do your own research, guys. Unfortunately, a lot of people um, watch some other YouTube videos, like and they and then they come out and say, "I did my research." So YouTube videos are not the research sources, like it, like the first source. Of course, getting some information is great, but then you become biased and you want to watch videos, other YouTubers, or you want to search up for news that actually um, work for you and not against you. So sometimes it's important that you also listen to the other uh, voices that talk about the disadvantages or the challenges of that project. So it's very important that you dive into fundamental analysis. And I know Waters Above is covering that. So really appreciate that. And another thing that I've witnessed and Waters Above, maybe, you know, maybe you can touch on that as well a little bit. This place has become an online casino for for the institutions of for the last <laughs> year. It's been the hot topic, and so many venture capitals joined this space. And uh, we talked about it multiple times here on the show that um, you know any project you see out there was funded by um, VCs, and what they love to do is, is um, whenever the vesting schedule, you know, some coins get unlocked, immediately they dump, no matter what the price is, because <laughs> they have done shit ton of money. So um, I'm assuming, I predict that most of these altcoins funded by these VCs uh, are still going to dump in this bear market. They're going to dump their backs and make shit ton of money again, still a couple hundred X maybe returns uh, mm -hmm. or two digit returns, doesn't matter. And I believe um, all these altcoins that were released the last years, they're going to have like more than 99%. It's going to be like 99.999%. Uh, Correct. You know correction probably and we don't even know if they're gonna survive after this because you know we started our own nft business and we realized the challenges and everything and then when we see others like how are they going to fund this project in a bear market when they only release tokens and they can only make money through tokens <laughs> and in a bear market when there's no liquidity i truly believe most of them will shut down the business and move on so what do you think about that no, I yeah, and and it, it piggybacks off of what I brought up before, and I think you made a very important yeah. It's so crucial that people understand what you just said, and I'll say this: very few people are aware of what value is because they're taught what a value is. People are taught that this thing has this specific value. Uh, organic food has this much more value than conventional food. You know, doing push-ups this one way has more value than doing them this way. And people very rarely set the, their own terms and conditions for what value is. And what I've been helping people kind of see over the past, you know, couple months specifically since this correction has come in, is you never place value in something that isn't yourself. Because through you, that's where all the value actually shines. So when you start to value yourself... Uh, you actually become a better partner, you become a better father, you become a better teacher, you become a better listener, you become a better community member. And people have, because of this crypto bull run, have put value into CEOs and companies and blockchain technology and Gary Gensler and the United States government and the Federal Reserve and the futures market and MicroStrategy and Peter Schiff are any of those people you? 
No. So when you place your value into another being and these other companies, when they go against you, now you fail with them. Now you start to actually feel the pain and the negativity. It's like you have to go through the winter with them. But I value myself and I'll speak for myself. I am not ever in the winter because I just create the summer. Like I will always keep myself at the highest value. And I do this by putting in the work. I do this by creating the art. I do this by actually doing rather than just consuming. And the consuming piece of it is, is absolutely necessary. Of course, people are sitting here and they're tuned in today and they're observing. But if you're taking notes right now, if you're somebody who's actually taking action, if you're writing down some of the thoughts we're doing or you're recording this or you're planning on, you know, coming back to this later and actually, you know, revisiting some of these things, then that's beautiful. You're actually doing something about this. And very few people do. Very Most people go into content just to get the content. And it's like dopamine. It's like an IV drip of dopamine into their main vein, like a, like a heroin addict. What you should be doing every day when you get into something is take away one piece of wisdom from anything you consume. And you could do that because you have the choice to do that. Too many people want to multitask. Too many people just want to aimlessly consume. And this is why they get caught up in this crypto, like, you know, being told how to think by investors or sorry, by YouTubers, not even investors. So this is the this is the poisonous aspect of social media. And I believe that it's proven itself over the last two years how easy it is to suck people into stuff uh, without, you know, any effort whatsoever, because the people are just desiring to be told what to do. And uh, Erica Badu said this perfectly. She said, like, you know, there's 10% people out there that they just get up off their ass and they make change. And the 90%, they're just waiting to be told what to do. And when they're told a lie, they actually rather be told the lie. When the 10%, the people who like to get up off, off their ass and do stuff, they want to be told the truth. And that's why they excel so much more than the average person. So the 90%, the masses, the, the majority, they love being lied to. Uh, they said this in the in the last Matrix movie, too. He said they love their blue pill. They love it. They love being given bread and circus. Yep. So when you have and I'm not going to be disrespectful to anyone, but like, you know, these really big YouTube channels um, that are regarding cryptocurrency specifically, they know the algorithm. They know how to get the views. They know how to get the likes. And uh, the, the content, in my opinion, it's losing that quality. It's more about quantity and it's losing that, that quality. So I always look in the mirror and I ask myself, you know, with my next video that I make, is it going to be something that actually is a pure representation of my stream of consciousness? And if I say no to that, then I'm not making a video today. I don't care about what video schedule I have for the week or any of that shit, because who's watching the video? These beautiful people that are tuning in today. And like, it's like if you're a chef and you want to make the greatest meal for somebody who's coming to your restaurant. And I feel like content creators, they're just making like fast food. They're not actually giving people beautiful, like well-presented dishes. So for me, like I know what my mission is. I know what I'm all about. And uh, I'm going to stick to that mission that way, like whatever happens, bull bear market fucking I don't even care anymore. You know, I know that I did my best in that process. And I know the people that came along for the ride, like we got something way more, way bigger out of all of this than than just making money. It was it was about designing a community and, and creating a family. Yeah, 
I'll tell you what, wow, there's a shit ton to unpack right there. But, you know, something you said that's so important. And one of the things we talk about here on this show, and I think that's why people appreciate it. We don't sugarcoat shit. What we tell people to do here is learn the game. Spend the time. And you touched on something so important. 90, 90, there's a reason why there's a 1% group and there's a 99% group. 99% of people are lazy. They don't want to do the homework. They want to be told what to do. If CNN told them that that sky right there was orange, I guarantee you tomorrow... <laughs> 50 of your friends would come in and they'd say, hey, you know what, Jordan? Fucking sky is actually orange. I guarantee you that would happen because people don't want to put the time and effort in to learn the game. And what's special here at the Academy and with this group of folks is we learn the game. We know the game. And I'll break it down to you very, very simply. <clears throat> if you think about in its simple fundamentals, the basic building block, you've got a pile of money in the middle. you got a set of guys on the left. you got a set of guys on the right. We're all trying for that same pile of money, but you have a group of people that have figured out, hey, the way people go get that money is it's played on emotions. And I can I can play some news. I can show you some things here, and I can scare you into thinking it's going this way or that way, and you're going to follow it. And I'm going to just take your money or I'm going to give money. It's so simple how the game is played. But a lot of people don't, don't understand that, and they think that there are people out there who really want to help them and do good for them, and they're just going to end up losing their shirt off their back if they don't put the time in to do their own homework. And if they believe what CNN and all the other stuff is telling them on TV, well then yeah, you're, you're going to get played. So I agree with you totally Jordan. You have to put the time and effort and work into it. And then you have a chance to play in the game. That well, the from a creator space, I've noticed this as well, like creators who are making these YouTube, YouTube channels or companies or whatever, when their desire is to help people make money, that is like the worst desire to have. What yeah. you should desire, what you should desire to give people is wisdom, yes. education, correct? Knowledge, like because yes. when they have that knowledge, like then they can walk away from this whole game and they they know the rules now. And yeah. uh, you know the one thing to say about the emotions and how that all how that all works is I believe that's a big reason of the sustainability of, of my community and, and what we're doing here. Because, you know, like even on my Friday live streams, like I refuse to talk about crypto because crypto isn't life. Like life is so like real life and, and, and this reality that we have, like if people are going to allow crypto to become their life, well, then guess what? When you're in a bear market, you're going to feel depressed and, and anxious and feel like shit. And if you want to talk about bull and bear market, well, then you got to realize that the bear market is like 75% of the cycle. So you're trying to tell me that you want to be depressed three fourths of your life. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you only want to be happy on that one fourth. So what is that? And I learned that a long time. I actually learned that by becoming a professional trader. I was a professional leverage trader before I made my mastermind course and before I was actually taking private clients and before I made my YouTube channel. So I knew what emotions were all about in this market. And because I'm aware of the theatrics that happen in, in this world, I was able to kind of protect myself from the falsity and, and kind of know where the truth is at. And one of the beautiful things about truth is it resonates with you on a level that is all about intuition. You don't need a second guess and ask yourself like, do I like what Waters Above is saying right now? Like, you don't have to do that. It's like looking at a beautiful woman or a beautiful man. Like, you don't have to think for five minutes about how beautiful. No, you just, it's like an instantaneous connection you have. 
And that's your soulmate, right? So it's like when you're finding things in this world, I don't ever, ever want anyone to think, is this good or is this bad? Or is this the truth or is this false? There's only one thing that you need to be aware of. Does this resonate with me? Once you get past that barrier, you start to do so much better in, in this reality because when people think about good or bad or right or wrong or truth or false, they're just thinking about all these judgment systems, meaning how many people believe that Waters Above or Coach JV are right or wrong. They're projecting as opposed to actually experiencing it for themselves and asking themselves, oh, do I, do I resonate with, with what this guy is saying right now? And to me, that's what I do. And that's why I'm able to protect myself from a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, let's just call it what I said before, like the fast food out there, the fast food content, the stuff that's not really here to provide quality, the stuff that's just here about quantity. And, and one last thing I'll say before, uh, you know, you guys continue during a bull run is when you get the most fast food <laughs> during the bear market is when you get the truth. Because there's no one to impress in the bear market. It's not sexy anymore. Crypto right now is not sexy. So if you're here, you're here because you actually desire to be here. You're not here because your, your best friend's brother told you about Shiba Inu. But you were doing that probably in the bull run, right? You were not hearing me. People, well, not you, but that's the thing. It's like most people. Like when I was in, I was in a grocery store back in April 2021 and I heard somebody talking about Shiba Inu. And I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and then I, I, I turned around. I asked the person. I was like, have you heard of Ethereum? And they said, what's Ethereum? <laughs> and then I was like, this is probably the top, bro. This is probably yeah. the top. Yeah. So, so it's like when you're in this moment right now, like I just want everyone who's listening to this to remind themselves like this is the best part of the cycle. This is the greatest time to be in this, to be aware of the market. Because you're in it when it's like everybody who's unsophisticated is left. Like you're you're with the last of the Mohicans, you know, like we're the last kind of like a little bit that's that's stuck around. And every bear market, I'm using air quotes right now, every bear market, we're gonna become more and more sustainable as a as a as a as a collective. So back in the 2018 bear market, it was just like mayhem, bedlam. You know, back in the 2015, that was even worse. It was catastrophic, you know? Right now, it's it's a different environment because a lot more people learn their lessons and a lot more people have kind of figured out, you know, what this is all about. They're taking it more seriously now. Back in 8, 2018, when Bitcoin lost 85% of its value, it was a household conversation to call Bitcoin and cryptocurrency a scam. Now people don't act like that as much. When they talk about crypto being a scam, it's more about stuff like, you know, like Doge, Elon, Shiba token, you know, like it's like garbage like that. But it's not stuff that actually we've been talking about today. Jordan, and I'd love to jump in because one of the things that I always talk about with people when we're having private conversations is money provides freedom, right? But one of the things that everyone is sacrificing during these tough times is their freedom. They're selling their freedom. They're giving away, whether it's internal or external, you're either selling your time or you're selling your mental energy and we're putting it towards creating generational wealth. But the majority of people in this market, quite frankly, are going to lose. They don't have the time and the patience to not only do the research, but sit around for three or four years while a lot of the assets do absolutely nothing. But the biggest problem that we have in our current monetary system today is that one, the resources, they're all controlled by the wealthy and two, the money supply is infinite. So when the poor people run out of money, what happens? We print more money from the top. 
We send it to the bottom. And then what do those people at the bottom have to do? They have to buy goods and resources, which funnels the money straight back up to the top, which is why we're in this system of constant, the wealthy getting wealthier and the poor are getting more poor. Do you ever see us breaking away from that monetary system where we're just stuck in this, this global system where we don't even control the wealth, right? The, the poor people, we're constantly giving away our wealth to the higher classes and it doesn't seem there's a way to avoid that. Yeah, well, it's a multifaceted question. Like you do control control your own wealth, though. Like you actually do. Like, what are you doing right now? You're you're Reporting. like, well, I mean, like you're 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 providing time for like whatever resources, right? Like I decided that I didn't want to work a job anymore. So I created a bunch of e-commerce businesses and I did that and I fucked up and I failed. But I didn't look back at like the elite and say like, oh, my business failed because of the. No, I just looked at myself in the mirror and I said, do better. Like everything is about personal responsibility. And I think no matter how this economy works, whether it's, you know, stuck in this quantitative easing cycle or whether we go to a digital dollar. Like it's quite irrelevant because we do all have the same amount of time in the day. We all have the same amount of ability to apply our focus and attention to make a change. So I think people need to focus more on making a personal change rather than waiting around to see what the government will change. So what my outlook personally is that it's only going to get darker if we allow it. And I believe humanity likes to allow it like we always have. Back in 1933, when there was the gold confiscation, we literally went along with it. We said to our government, sure, you could have our gold. They made it a felony to have gold, and we went along with it. And you know how they do this? They do this through a false flag event. So back in 9-11, they were able to get away with a lot of change and implementation because of that. And yep. during, during the C word recently, they got away with a lot of changes and a lot of impl implementation because of that. Yep. So now they have a war narrative going. Now they have hyperinflation and energy and food. So they're pricing people out. <clears throat> and that's kind of where we need to be a little bit more sophisticated with what's to come is we're probably going to have a restructuring of a global economy, which will invite a real true global, uh, global stable coin sort of digital dollar. And that's going to be the moment where we have to see how do people react? How do people react to that? Because everything in this world is kind of this like, you know, order out of chaos and problem reaction solution. So the problem we're aware of, it's hyperinflation. It's becoming really expensive to buy food, to pay for gas, to, and then you're going to see the layoffs coming in because people who work normal jobs, you know, it's just going to be downsizing. And then we have automations coming, robotics, virtual reality, all of those things. They're going to replace people in the workforce. So we have the problem. We're aware of the problem. Me and you, we're also aware of the solution. We're also aware that there's, you know, new changes coming to the economy, whether it be, you know, complete restructuring of the current fiat system or it be, you know, the implementation of a new uh, standard regarding, you know, what we have with ISO. We have the entire stock market is probably going to become tokenized. That's a huge opportunity that no one is really talking too much about. You know, there's so much going on here at play. That's why I started it out by saying, you know, it's multifaceted. And um, my outlook is always hey, guys, when we're given the problem, when we're seeing the chaos, how will you decide to react? And that's why one of the things that I've noticed is there's more people during the C word time that have said that this was the best time of my life. They actually, their life got better and it, it improved while a lot of other people's became more depressed and more anxious and more like feeling a lack of purpose. 
So I think that's really interesting because I've noticed a lot of people kind of be happy that we went through this change, even though it's been draconian and there's been control and there's been change. You know, sometimes there needs to be change for people to wake up to something that they're capable of doing instead of just being lazy and mundane and, and not doing anything at all about anything. And I believe if there was never any problems, well, what would we do? <laughs> so it's always about how do we as a community res respond to it? You know, I know what I'm doing to respond. I, I started this channel and I'm doing what I got to do. I'm, I'm spreading my truth. You guys are doing the same. And the more people that continue to kind of get people caught up to speed with this, you know, the better we'll be. I think it's really beautiful, actually. Like, I don't look at anything as a negativity, uh, regardless of what comes, because it's, again, it's all about how we react to it. And I just want us as a community to stop playing the blame game and start playing the take action game. So stop relinquishing that control and giving it to other people willingly and taking advantage of this situation for yourself. I do want to start this thing off the same way we always do. We're going to skip past our, all of our traditional stuff that we do and hop into our first news story for today because I do want to get water, Waters Above thoughts on this particular article. SBI CEO says that every bank in Japan will use Ripple XRP by 2025. They've been a huge advocate of the technology that Ripple has been developing behind the scenes for years and years, and the SEC lawsuit, it hasn't hindered anything overseas. The use of XRapid and using XRP is getting widespread, and the number of companies participating in Ripple's ecosystem, it's increasing substantially. It seems to be the use of Ripple's technology will gradually become used as a form of using XRP as the international money transfer field. Of course, Waters, you know exactly what that means, but I do want to dive into this. Is this bias or can we expect this on a large scale? They're talking about the real world utility of not just Ripple and what they're creating, but the currency XRP gets me very excited. What catches your attention here? Well, whenever there's any changes in the economy, they always do it slowly. They push it out like one kind of stage at a time. There's a they're very sophisticated like chess players, you know, so it doesn't surprise me now that we've seen what's happened with the Communist Party in China and how they have a social score and they do everything like on Alipay now in regards to like, you know, goods and services. I believe that Japan is kind of behaviorally ready for that system as well. They're the type of person there, the culture, the way that they uh, just operate as a society. Um, I think they're ready for a similar system to pretty much go completely uh, digitized. And I see, obviously, XRP as a fantastic technology to facilitate that. But furthermore, um, Japan has a serious economic issue, and they have had since World War II. I mean, they've been struggling, especially since the housing crisis. So there is a big, big problem over there in Japan regarding their overall economy, and everyone is living like a king. You know, they're, they're printing out money and allowing people to have all this money, you know, similar to America. But um, I mean, there, the density and the scale that it's happening at for where they're producing, the way they actually are working globally with other countries, their GDP and all things considered. I mean, yeah, they're not doing so well. So they're one of those problem countries and there's going to be a solution. And I believe they're going to be one of the testing grounds. Um, you know, a lot of Japan operates like a densely populated metropolis. So if, if this works in a place like, uh, you know, Osaka or uh, you know, they could quickly move this to somewhere like Melbourne, Australia, 
and just test it out in like that one area of Australia. Then they test it out in Sydney. Then they test it out in a part of New Zealand. And the next thing you know, like everyone just sort of slowly agrees that this is whatever the system they need to take on. And they could say it's because of fees or they could say it's because of the time, like, you know, the timing of the transactions, doing it on weekends, doing it overnight, whatever. Like they're going to come up with their solution based things. But I don't necessarily know um, the proof behind all of what you're sharing in these article in this article, because articles are just articles, right? Like it's hard to really like quantify if they're real or not. Um, but I do see there is, you know, implementation in the works for Japan before a country like Canada or before a country like England. So Japan would be one of the testing grounds for any of these kind of changes. And what gets me excited is that even though he's talking about the real world utility being developed now, he said it's going to be about a half a decade to a full decade before everyone agrees to be using this new system. But what caught my attention is that the next World Expose will take place in Osaka on May 3rd, 2025 through November 3rd of 2025. And the theme is going to be the designed future of our lives. It's going to be the evolution of society. And it appears XRP is going to take center stage. What does that say to you, Waters? Well, that's a perfect amount of time because uh, I don't know how many of you out there have studied Agenda 2030, but most of the implementations are going to be set by 2025. Mm -hmm. So I've I've also said this before. Oh, actually, this reminds me of something that you brought up before, and I don't know why I missed it, but you said something about the Bitcoin or the crypto market recovering. And like, when do I see it recovering? We might have glazed over that. But now yes. now I'm thinking about it. Um, typically, about six months after you have a halving event, you see Bitcoin create a new cycle high. So because yeah. of the logarithmic growth curve kind of like properties of Bitcoin, that could happen a little sooner. And I believe the next halving for Bitcoin is somewhere around March to uh, May of 2024. Correct. So that kind of that kind of gives us Q4 of 2024 as like the next cycle, like, you know, all time high. And that would be in the hundreds of thousands for Bitcoin. Um, how high it could go, we'll get there when that time comes. But um, now that tells me that this times perfectly with this sort of time frame that you're sharing right here, this May to November of 2025, because remember, it takes about one year for the cycle from top to kind of solidify itself. And that would be almost talking about, you know, like what it was like at the end of this year for this to be launched, you know, like whatever you're showing me right here, this World Expo uh, deal. Uh, and that's that's exactly how the end of last year went. You know, we started seeing all these conferences and events and all this stuff happening after the summertime. And they were pushing up the market with the last couple coins they could do it with. You know, Solana did pretty well. Uh, we saw what Terra Luna did really well. Um, so that would be the same time frame after the having. It would be about one year after the uh, that time. And think about how much development's going to happen between now and then. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be wild. It's going to be historic. I'm not sure if Johnny Crypto had a follow up question. If not, I can continue to our next article. No, that's okay, guys. Keep going. I know we're we're short. Perfect. On time. Awesome. So our next article is Warren Buffett back. New Bank has finally launched Bitcoin operations for 54 million customers worldwide, giving access to over a million companies to now buy and store Bitcoin through Brazilian New Bank, one of the world's largest online banks. Brazilian New Bank has launched the ability to make transactions with cryptocurrencies for its users in about 54 million individuals will now have access to this new technology. It's only going to be offering Bitcoin and Ethereum to begin with. And in order to buy coins, the bank's users just need to make an enter in the new bank app, make the transaction and have paid the purchase amount with a small commission of about two one thousandths of a percent. What do you think about this waters? Because we always hear about Warren Buffett criticizing not only Bitcoin, but blockchain adoption and technology as a whole. What does it say to you that Warren Buffett's now using this stuff to his advantage? 
Dude, I bet Warren Buffett's a, a whale. He's he's probably a Bitcoin whale, man. Like I I whenever I see these guys come out on television and they have something negative to say, it's probably like the most positive thing you could possibly hear. So yeah, I don't really know where Warren's been at lately uh, regarding I typically his role in the economy during the Shemitah. Because you have to remember, this man has been through so many Shemitah cycles. He's been through the ringer. And uh, he's still super successful. And back in, I believe it was 2007, 2008, when the bank started to fail, they kind of relied on him for liquidity. So that's pretty interesting to see, you know, Goldman Sachs reach out to Warren Buffett to be like, hey, do you have money for us? So, I mean, this guy is like a walking bank. Um, and whatever he does, I typically pay a little bit of attention to. Like, it's a big reason why I've decided to open up a business banking account with Bank of America. I, I see there being a problem soon with the banks. And uh, this man is typically funding the banks that never fail. So and I'm talking on the commercial level, of course, because I don't I'm not capable of getting to that other level. But when it comes to keeping your money in commercial bank accounts, you know, it's a lot easier to look at where the richest people are are funding those banks, either that be through their stock or, or whatever. But I don't know anything about Brazilian new bank. Um, but I do have awareness that a lot of banks are going to start to custody crypto. We have one in Wyoming in the United States that's already, what is it? Is it Kraken or Gemini or anyways? Yeah. Um, essentially, they're going to start doing this. And this is a way that they're going to start to control the blockchain. Even They're going to control crypto even more on the retail level. They're going to open up these banks that can custody your private keys, which doesn't even make sense because I mean like... <laughs> You just get a fucking hardware wallet and it takes like five minutes. But anyways, you know how people are. They're going to want to Too much have, work, Waters. Too much work for the lazy people. Yeah, they're going to want to have uh, security drop boxes and that'll probably be really awesome. I mean, stuff like that could be could be pretty, pretty sick uh, for people out there that are trying to do like to be a little bit more fancy. Maybe they're traveling and they don't want to have like 20 Bitcoin on a ledger. They could go to their bank that deals in these serve i don't know but the point that i'm making here is that's a huge implementation that's to come if it's already happening in america legally then damn i know it's going to be ready in all of these other more you know less regulated countries because when we're talking about a place like brazil or mexico it's like the regulation there is pretty pretty loosey-goosey you know like you could do a lot of things over there um so i mean it'll be crazy to see changes like that happen in brazil Yes, and I'd love to hear from Selman and Johnny, but we do only have a couple minutes left, so I'm going to jump into our next article, which is that Jed McCaleb only has 81 million XRP left. He started with about 9 billion XRP, and he's been dumping relentlessly. Waters, I'd love to hear your thoughts here. Yeah, I did a little bit of a decode for you guys on uh, the 3T Warrior Academy, like a private D. I forgot what uh, we were doing, but it was like a little bit of a you know crash course in Gamatria. And I brought up this man and how his name and and uh, you know a lot of what he was tied into was all matching up with the with the code so um but other than that i mean is is it proven the amount of xrp he holds like where are they proving they're watching so they're watching a public wallet that has been getting monthly deposits and it aligns correctly but it's all speculation it's it's a speculation okay yeah um well what would be advantageous about this man getting rid of all of his xrp what would be the advantage of selling it at 30 cents or i I really don't know do you know uh well that's kind of like where i'm at with things like whenever i think about stuff like this i think like in common sense 
like I try not to take like articles or anything and like at face value, obviously. But um, yeah, I don't see what would be the advantage. I mean, if 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 XRP was like a dollar fifty or two dollars, and then he wanted to like whatever because his. But yeah, I highly doubt uh, that's real. Whatever that is saying, and but what I will say, and we could transition very quickly, is these people who work for Ripple or did work for Ripple or anyone tied to Ripple, you know, they've been selling XRP. Like we know that as a fact. Um, the the specific amount of tokens and all of that—that's kind of difficult. But what I'm trying to say is, is that like. You know, I know Brad Garlinghouse and David Schwartz and Chris Larson and just all these guys that are tied to Ripple. They've been selling their tokens for a while now, um, and they just offset them in chunks. You know, probably whatever their uh, CPA, whatever their accountant says is the proper move uh, to keep their tax liability in check. You know, that's what they're doing. And these guys got into when XRP was sub one penny, when it was like 0.0001 penny. So for them to for this man to sell, you know, just like a couple million XRP would be an extremely lucrative play. So it just depends. But I mean, when somebody's writing articles saying that they're keeping track of public wallets and and speculating that it's coming from this one particular individual, that's highly that's highly speculative. Thank you, Selman. I mean, sorry. Thank you, Waters. I'd love to kick it to Selman. I know you had a comment about our last article. Feel free to address Warren Buffett in the Bitcoin news or this XRP news here. Yeah. Um, so as far as I know, um, first of all, there is, I mean, we uh, know Jet McCaleb's um, wallet address. So it's it's public. And um, also uh, the Crypto Whale Twitter account is um, uh, announcing uh, whenever there is, you know, a transaction going on on that wallet. We know the Ripple escrow um, address as well. So um, I believe it is, you know, a very public and uh, the official wallet address. And um, what I actually wanted to add is um, during the bull run, we've been introduced to all these, you know, updates uh, regarding, you know, institutions. Uh, PayPal is by offering Bitcoin uh, trades um, or, you know, all of that kind of stuff that Tesla is buying into a Bitcoin uh, or this company is offering, you know, Bitcoins for their customers. And now you see it's just continuing, even though we have a recession, right? But just one thing has changed. It's the sentiment. People, retailers lost money or they gave up. They don't see greed anymore. They're themselves not greedy anymore. So, but nothing has changed with regards to the infrastructure, um, like building the infrastructure. You see institutions keep working in the background. And that's why I love this so much. I just love how these big whales, how banks or other institutions are slowly coming into the space. These are high level, like high skilled people. They have been through many uh, market cycles and um, they know the game. And you see that, for example, eBay acquired a NFT marketplace uh, recently. And uh, you see they didn't do that last year when the hype was there. No, they do it while NFTs are down. People are scared. People are leaving. Yeah. We have summertime, right? So they take the opportunity to buy in now or at least build the infrastructure and um is this recession gonna um you know last for two years no one knows but i personally believe it's gonna end um maybe next year because people are getting more educated and they know that buying the dip is essential so um we've seen it with the march crash it's it's uh it hasn't been you know like 
I mean, it's been a big correction, but people learn and learn and learn. So, and more and more people are coming in. They have money, more money is circulating. So that's why I believe that recession is not going to last that long. And you see how these institutions are coming slowly building in the background. But when they come with the news update that, hey, we just acquired this one or we did this or that, it's probably too late. They probably already, you know, build everything. And now it's like, hey, we're offering, come and join us. But it's the best time to use that advantage, actually. Um, so, yeah, wanted to bring that up. 100%. Absolutely. Like you follow the money, right? No, sorry, Waters. Go ahead. No, that's exactly. it. It's just you just you just follow the money. It's what I said about Warren Buffett before. Like when I saw Warren Buffett has this big position in Bank of America, I said to myself, well, why the fuck would I have Wells Fargo then? Like Wells Fargo is probably going to collapse. So I put my money where I believe the billionaires are, you know, kind of sustaining it because that's all this stuff is anyways. Like <clears throat> it's all about sustaining. So even if the richest people get caught up in a problem or a mistake, they have access to money through their friends, through the government, through all of these instruments. <clears throat> so the long and short of it is like, I rather just pay attention to where the money's going. And what Selman did before about confirming with the Jed McCaleb thing, it's like, that's exactly what he's doing. Like he's following the money. Like, and once you kind of like make those connections and, and have that awareness, you can make much better decisions for yourself. Exactly. And we're going to close it off with a Robert Kinasaki story today because with so much fear in the market, this guy, he just seems to be piling on. Rich Dad Poor Dad's author, Robert Kinasaki, says he's waiting for Bitcoin to test $1,100 before he starts buying more. He explained that losers quit when they lose, but winners learn from their losses, asserting that Bitcoin losers, well, they're quitting right now. He said Bitcoin is going to test, he's waiting for Bitcoin to test $1,100, adding that he will buy more if the crypto recovers. And if it does not, I'll wait for the losers to capitulate, quit, and then he's going to buy more. Some people suspected that Rich Dad Poor Dad author Robert Kinasaki actually put a typo and meant $11,000. But <laughs> recently, he said that when Bitcoin began declining months ago, he was saying $20,000 was the Bitcoin bottom. Then he called for $9,000 Bitcoin bottom. Now he's saying $1,100. Clearly, nobody knows what the bottom for this currency is going to be. Not even Robert Kinasaki, but I find it interesting. He's calling for a $1,000 Bitcoin. Waters, what are some of your thoughts? You know, like I don't like to talk negatively about anyone, especially if I'm not talking directly with them. But uh, besides the cash flow quadrant, like I wouldn't listen to a single word this man has to say, because all he does is talk about like his time being like an Air Force pilot. I don't I don't yeah. I just like if you're that well in life, if you're doing if you're doing as well as he allegedly is, then um, I would love to hear it come from his mouth. But uh, whenever I hear him talk, I, I see this lack of sophistication in his delivery. And whenever he starts to have a guest that he speaks with that's a little bit more sophisticated than him, he starts to get a little bit frustrated. And, you know, I've, I've noticed this kind of like uh, energy from him where he's been leveraging on other knowledgeable people his whole life. And that's probably what he did with this cryptocurrency investment, right? Like he started talking with Anthony Pompliano and these people that are more educated than him. So all of his information and data is coming externally. It's not his own opinion. It's not his own true. So his his tweets that he's making, you know, it's very similar to like the energy of like Peter Schiff. Like it's just it's just nonsensical drama theatrics. And uh, could Bitcoin go to 1K? I mean, <laughs> where is he coming? Where what is he coming up with the, you know, the fine print to explain that, whether that be technically or fundamentally? I mean, just consider back during the, the, the C word crash, Bitcoin couldn't even make a lower low in the cycle. 
So if Bitcoin couldn't break below the low of 2018 January, then how is it possible for Bitcoin to break through that layer and then also continue down another $2,000? Exactly. Like, what fundamental but if he had a chart to show where he had some further explanation and he could really you know narrow it down and give me some information then i would say sure well that's a great thesis and we could go along with that but if i just come out and i say like you know uh statements and i have nothing to to um you know back it up with then it's kind of weird you know it it's just sounds emotional like a dramatic kind of statement and uh, that kind of stuff, I believe people should should disregard. But if people uh, resonate with the work of Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he's a he's a legend. He's super well off, I, I, I think. Um, but for me, a lot of what he shares is always stuff that he's getting from other people. And I could tell and he, he admits that a lot when it comes to cryptocurrency. I know he does, because on all of his shows that he's had with with crypto people, he essentially kind of just stays and silent and allows them to kind of share how they feel about things. The one thing I do like about what he said here is he explained that he was still bullish on Bitcoin because he sees the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department as corrupt organizations. Clearly, we agree with that. But do you think that little tidbit of truth, is that just part of the deception here? What do you think is going on? Yes. Yeah, that's deception. We want the Fed to print money. The more money the Fed prints, the more your crypto portfolio goes up. This is the same thing that I shared a year ago when I told people that the Shemitah is deflationary for the dollar. And they were like throwing tomatoes at me. And I was telling people the dollar, the DXY will spike during a Shemitah. It's not my opinion. It's in the charts for a fucking hundred years. So you just like if I wanted to share opinions, I always like I did before, guys. Remember when I said uh, the reason I want Bitcoin to go to 13K is because I want like I, I actually want it to like kind of like I, I would love for Bitcoin to go to 11K because I would buy Bitcoin. You know, but that's a desire. That's not that's that's an opinion. That's not actual. <laughs> so exactly. anyways, the, that's the a point, hope. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so when it the only thing that could facilitate possible, you know, really big catastrophic events, and this could totally line up with the end of Shemitah and October, November eclipses could be a tether um, or stable further stable coin uh, issues. Um, so I personally see that. <sighs> Tether is part of an instrument that a lot of people believe is isolated and kind of like this 100% fraudulent thing. But I personally theorize that Tether is part of the Federal Reserve System. I believe it is part of the central banks. I believe the same thing for Binance, too. I believe Binance as an entire company and Tether and maybe even USDC. Like I know Circle is already tied to government, but, you know, the long and short of it is this is a theory of mine. That Tether is tied to the central banking system. It is not some like isolated nerd who like works at one company as an exchange. No. When people started to really blow up this Tether uh, scam thing and saying how Tether is going to like, you know, crash and do this, this, that and the third. You know what they did to everyone? They made you look at Tether so you weren't looking at UST. And then when UST collapsed, what the fuck really happened, right? The safest stable coin that everyone was trusting in completely melted. So I want people to be aware that if you are believing everything at face value and you're going to make your whole investment thesis based on this prediction of Tether collapsing, you need to understand that it's just another mechanism of that emotional tug of war. So my theory is that Binance and Tether are part of the New World Order. They are part of the central banking cabal. They are part of the Federal Reserve. They're just money 
they they just print money out of thin air. It's a it's a completely fraudulent by design thing. And when people believe that Bitcoin's price is only held up by Tether or this or that, you know, they're coming up with these theories and theories are fine. Just like I admitted a moment ago, I have my theory, but don't let it get the best of you. Don't make it be the sole purpose behind all the decisions you make, because all the people that were talking about Tether being a scam through the years of 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, (laughs) what advantage did they take out of this beautiful market that gave us so much? Right. So I want people to just behave a little more when it comes to these theories. It's okay to generate your own theory, but at best, that's all it is. It's a theory. Okay. And uh, I remember what happened with UST a couple months ago, and it was devastating for people. And I asked them, well, where were you at with Tether? And they all said, I thought Tether was a scam. That's why I didn't get in it. And I de-risked and I was putting it into USDC, UST, you know, die. And they were doing all this, but they were avoiding Tether. And we see what happened. So I have a lot of controversial things to say about that. I know we're running out of time, but maybe we could talk about that on another show. You know, just to follow up on that, we actually talked about that here a couple of days ago on the show about Tether and, and is it going to crash? And, you know, the thing, if you look at it, the way the elites work is they don't give you <laughs> warnings like that three years in advance. You know, when, when, USTT, when UST crashed, did you have a nine-month or a three-year warning? When Celsius crashed, did you have a nine month, three month? No, no, it just happened. And you got, you know, you got rug pulled. They've been telling us Tether is bad for three ever since I've been in crypto a year and a half. Yeah, they've been they've been telling me that Bitcoin's going to zero since 13 years. So So I tell everybody I'm over it. Yeah, exactly. Just do the opposite of what they tell you and you will be in a much, much better position and the biggest hypocrite of them all waiting (laughs) for waiting for Tether to, to fall out is like waiting for a food shortage. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, how about how about you do something about your life? Like, yeah, because it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and just like, you know, continue on with these dramatic, emotional strings of tweets. But at the end of the day, like if you want to change your life, it starts with education. It starts with knowledge. It starts with wisdom. And just like you said, like if there's popular education, then it must be wrong. That's indoctrination. Everything that's popular is wrong. I believe that's a Mark Twain tweet or a Friedrich Nietzsche or something. But the point here is that when you are hearing across the board from everyone, these narratives, and it's all in this sector, then it tells me, you know, like this is, this is, this can't be real. And I always look, I always look a little bit deeper and I've exposed how I feel about Tether to people saying that I believe it's part of the federal reserve and it's their instrument of moving fiat into the crypto market. It's never going away. Just like the dollar is never going away. People were telling me, Oh, the dollar is going to go to zero during Shemitah. Okay. Well, it's actually quite the, like, so, okay. (laughs) Just people. um, I want you to do your best and not getting caught up in narratives. You know, gold is not going to go to 4,000 overnight. Like Peter Schiff keeps telling you, Bitcoin's not going to go to zero. Like all these things are predicated upon your emotional heartstrings and uh, you need to get control back of that stuff, guys. Like the, the number, the number one way to thrive in this market is to not be emotional. And I think that's a beautiful place to end it right there. I do want to say that one of the reasons I subscribe to crater earth theory, well, that's exact reason waters above. I hope you know what I'm talking about, but I want to show people, (laughs) I want to show people waters above YouTube channel. You get access to him every single week. I think he posts at least one video talking about overall market sentiment and some of the uh, astrology and gematria that plays such a pivotal role in this market. Waters, I'd love to give you a chance to address that before we close it out here. 
Yeah, so I make about one video a week, really like longer videos now, kind of breaking down decodes of the market, giving people a lot of important dates to look at a week in advance. And I use Gamatria, which is an alphanumerical cipher, breaking down words, keywords into numbers, then taking all that data and putting it into the charts, actually taking all the information that we're getting with our decodes, putting them into the technical analysis. This way, it's not just an emotional opinion. It's something that's backed by the charts. So I do a culmination of both of taking the decoding, cryptocurrency, technical analysis, kind of combining it all into one. And of course, with this mindset that we have. So and then I do a Friday live stream where I, I don't talk about crypto. If you guys are interested in, you know, the the stuff we were riffing off on in the uh, on the sides, you know, that's kind of the stuff that we like to stick to on those live streams. Amazing. Thank you so much for making time for us today, Waters. I want to say thank you to Waters Above Crypto. Thank you to Johnny Kagan. Thank you to Selman G. Another amazing episode today. And we're going to close this thing off the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Let's go. Oh, sorry, Selman. Please make your announcement. Yes, sir. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join us live. We are going to... Um, have our first episode of the No Fun Google Show. Our special guest, Jetta, is going to be on the show. Can't wait to see you all there. Amazing. Non-fungible show. 1.30 p.m. today. We'll see you there.